0: Thank <laughs> Welcome to another live edition of the Intel Strike Report right here on Oracle Broadcasting Network. Today is Wednesday, September 17, 2008. I am your host, Doug Owen, and my good friend, my partner in thought crime, our producer, Mr. Michael Dale, is in studio with us as well as Mr. Alan Watt. Tonight we will be cutting through the matrix, running the gambit of news articles, different current events that are going on. Right now, uh, we will be talking with him for uh, at least the first hour, and we might be able to talk him into uh, coming on the second hour, and we will be taking your phone calls as well, 360-350-1486, that's 360-350-1486, Mike and myself do run the Alternative News website, blacklistednews.com, so you can go there and check that out. Uh, for all of the latest news and information that we talk about on a daily basis here on Oracle Broadcasting. Mr. Watt, thank you for coming on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, this is the first time that we've actually had you on this network. We had you on WTPRN, we had you on TruthNet Radio uh, many times, but uh, it's a distinct honor and pleasure to have you uh, come on tonight on Oracle Broadcasting with us.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just good to be here. It's, uh, the, more, the more stations you get on, the better, the more formats, the better it is. Sure, exactly. Especially, especially in these late days, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, de- time is definitely a factor here. What's going on, Michael?
2: Oh, my God, man. You know, uh, it's always a red tree when we, when we get Alan on to talk about uh, just a, a plethora of issues. And uh, and uh, even I get education that I have to, after the show, sort of uh, break down some of the things he said and go do some more research as uh, – Ah, man, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, being a student about this whole thing and, and not saying that you know it all, but that, uh, you know, that you don't know anything and, and you try to grow. But, uh, but Alan, um, before we jump into this, you know, a lot of people, you know, really know a lot about you, but there are some out there who don't know. Um, let our listeners know a little bit about you and, uh, and how you got into all of this and, uh, what you've discovered.
1: Well, I like to say that I was born with a form of autism where I understood uh, reality in a world that did not. <laughs> and so I was able to question everything from a very early age uh, without being obnoxious as a child. But I observed and I watched and then I went to check up what I could check up on because I was brought up in Britain and Britain really was in a depression from World War Two up until about the late 70s when they gave them credit cards And I couldn't understand why everybody I knew in the working-class towns was so poor when Britain supposedly ruled a good part of the planet, the British Commonwealth, and had had, had done so for centuries. I thought, well, where did all the wealth go? How come only uh, so many families in London, based around London, owned all of this uh, country and everything in it, and the masses of people could even get their own homes to live in and own they rented Uh, everybody I knew was arguing about basic things food and rent and the wages were almost like fixed wages and fixed prices and I I caught on early that the whole system the financial system in Britain was rigidly controlled Uh, it it was a price fixing you might call it and it was not designed for the ordinary person to get ahead and I checked into the history books, and I was lucky in one respect, and that was that I was allowed into the adult libraries early on, very young, because I persisted, and I could get into the reference sections, where they did have old books going back into even the 1700s for reference uh, books, and and check on the histories as they were written at the time. And I realized what I was being taught in school was a complete fabrication. I had nothing in common with what happened before, And what also struck me, leafing through the old newspapers that were still preserved uh, and and sections of these reference libraries, uh, newspapers uh, and and pages from them from the 1700s, was how how open, they were far more open uh, about rebellion in those days and what they were rebelling about. They had no problem with voicing in mainstream newspapers the fact that most folk were being oppressed by a small elite, a dominant minority, it was very open. However, if you read the, the, hit, the, the school books I was getting to take home with me from school, uh, again, we had this sort of um, romantic past image of history where you had good kings and queens and all of this stuff. It was, it was utter nonsense. So George Orwell was quite correct when he talked about history being rewritten constantly with every passing publication and republication of the same books they they simply take all the bad parts out and put it down the memory hole and never to be found again so i kept on at this and then when i started travelling early in europe i was astounded to find laws the same laws being passed from uh, in every country at the same time and i thought well if these are independent countries how is it they're passing laws that affect all their citizens And they don't know that the country next to them is passing the same laws at the same time. It told me that there was some kind of uh, interconnection already set up for the whole of Europe. And that's when I went into what I knew was going to be the European Union. I dug into the history books about it right during and after World War II. And up to about 1955, they were much more open about trying to get this united Europe through. It didn't sit well with the people of the different countries and so they, they simply did it um, by stealth. They'd set up uh, uh, from the United Nations an organization uh, to bring in a united Europe It was set up in 1948 and every governmental department that signed the treaty the United Nations uh, for Europe uh, took part in it and it was only in the late 90s or uh, the year 2000 the British declassified their documents to do with unification process where they were told that the public must never be told the truth about total unification under a European Parliament until it's up and running. It was complete. So it was done by lies and stealth uh, through, from all of that time, from 48 to, to 1999 or so. And then, of course, we find, too, is the same thing for the Americas. The Americas also had set up in the different countries, a branch of government to deal with the unification of the Americas. So the Europe was to go first, then the Americas, and the Asia-Pacific Rim countries were to be brought together, which is happening right now. We'll all have a central uh, governmental parliament. And in fact, during the free trade negotiations in the 1980s, uh, they suggested that uh, Montreal would be the capital for the Americas. So we're not living through any kind of democracy. We're living through a scripted plan. It doesn't simply end with the unification of anything or even the world. It's not we can sort of get to the end agenda, saying, well, there's no more war, we've got a global government. we can put our feet up or, or go fishing. These guys want to go much, much further because they want a reduced population, drastically reduced down to about 500 million people. Uh, they want a program of sterilization to come into effect. They would like it if the youngsters could be conditioned and brainwashed enough that they'd voluntarily come forward and have themselves sterilized to save Mother Earth. That's all part of it, too. I read uh, some of that in the, GIA, uh, not the, GIA party, the, the Green Party, who mentioned this very agenda, how they would give education, to, mainly to the female uh, species across the planet. What they mean by that is the abortion and the sterilisation, um, so that they don't have children. Everyone's pushing the same agenda worldwide right now because we're already globalised. We're in a centralised system, and we have a parallel government running the show. The parallel government was set up in Britain, uh, uh, first of all, in its Royal Institute of International Affairs. Its, its American branch is called the Council on Foreign Relations. Uh, the, the Royal Institute of International Affairs are the ones who drafted up the Income Tax Act for Britain and the Property Tax Act for Britain and the Inheritance Tax Act for Britain they are a non-governmental organization they are not voted in by any of the, the public and their branch in the United States also brought forth and set up the bills for the income tax and property taxes for the American side and they also drafted up the agreements which presidents and prime ministers have been signing every year since 2005, which further integrates us into the Union, is drafted up by the Council on Foreign Relations, who are an unelected body, a a private, non-governmental organization. So where is the democracy in that? There is none. There's none.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, I I just wish that I had uh, woken up to all of this... Uh, years and years before, you know, uh, I just didn't have that that nature in me to question a lot of things, and uh, I sort of followed the vicious circle that my father followed and his father followed, and uh, and I'm trying to break that vicious circle on my own here. But you're right, you know, everything, you know, I, I live in the states, and and everything that that teachers told us was garbage. Mm-hmm. It was just for us to regurgitate. To say again, and all of the heroes that were created, or were created, were not what they seemed to be. Take an Alexander Graham Bell, who was a eugenicist. You know, take uh, uh, Albert Einstein, who came out with the Oppenheimers writing a document called "One World or None," mm-hmm. and all of these people that they handpick, that that they build up for us as leaders are puppets of theirs and you're absolutely right
1: yeah if you read Einstein's books they're primarily on politics in fact the man couldn't read he couldn't give any science lecture without notes in front of him all he ever talked to the public was about was politics and um, some of the top uh, reporters of of their time I think Snow was one of the big ones who who did the main characters he did Hitler too. And then Einstein, a, few, a whole bunch of those guys, Stalin as well. And he said, all, all Einstein never talked about was world government. And what he called, um, he, said, he said, I am a Zionist first. And, and no one unquestioned what he meant by Zionism. Their form of Zionism was a global type governmental system. That's what he meant. Because this was after 1948 and Israel was already established. So he wasn't talking about Israel. He was talking about what they talk about in the, the societies, as they say. Uh, global governments that's what they meant and a planned system it's the same system that H.G. Wells talked about a planned society where um, the betters those who are more educated those who, who are more evolved they do believe in evolution have the right to rule over the lessers it's a form of scientific dictatorship as, as um, Huxley talked about Aldo Huxley that's what we have today and that's taken for granted at the top we have an elite a dominant minority as Huxley call them they own the money they own the wealth and the property and they have a scientific elite or dictatorship running the show uh, running us underneath them through masses of bureaucracy and, and what's called social services and if you go back into the writings of Lenin he was the first one to tell us about the West and remember Lenin and the Soviet system was funded from this beginning from the West Western countries, Western banks uh, and all through the Soviet era we funded them, we fed them they couldn't even grow enough corn or wheat to, to feed themselves uh, and, and Lenin said that, that the West and the world will set up social institutions which will, will first start off as services and those services will eventually be given authority and become authorities over the people. Well that's what we have now under socialism. The Western world is socialized and we have masses of bureaucracies. Many of them work with NGO groups like children's aids and so on. We don't realise that children's aid is still a private organization, but they now have SWAT teams coming in with the children's aids workers to take off take the children out. So these are the things that Lenin was talking about. It's the same with the health services. We thought the health services was a service that you either take it or leave it. Now the health services are mandating we take vaccinations. They're telling us what we must do by law, and they have governmental weight behind them. So they have followed a very old agenda that, that was known by people uh, such as Lennon and known by guys on their West, their counterparts, at the same time, we find Bertrand Russell writing about exactly the same things as Lenin. In fact, they both had the same time dates. Sure. Lenin said that, that this will take... Uh, by the, the beginning of the millennium, uh, this will come into force, uh, this whole new world order of authoritarianism. And and we find that Bertrand Russell gave the same time frame for this to happen. In Bingo, in 2001, we go into it with a big... Um, the velvet glove is off the iron fist we see it out in the open now we're being told what to do so we're just living through a a big long script and once you get into the big foundations and their think tanks they all network together they're all one big club they fund all the non-governmental organizations which get credence at the United Nations Uh, they fund these NGOs that demand that laws get passed to take away everyone else's rights And really they're just extensions of the foundations. The foundations themselves are the money launderers for a very old aristocracy who have never given us democracy. They went around democracy by the setting up of these very foundations. We find that Adam Weishaupt talked about it. And his branch of Illuminati, there was only one of them, um, was caught uh, by the Bavarian police and raided but in his writings, Weishaupt said, We shall set up foundations, and through foundations we will guide the world. That's what's actually happened. Uh, and as I say, he was only one little branch that was caught. The rest of them still exist, and are still existing today. The Rockefeller Foundation funds hundreds and hundreds of non- non-governmental organizations, and these are the ones who are now given um, a public voice, they call it. Uh, Stay so right there,
2: Alan. Um, we're coming up against the break. This is the Intel Strike Report with Alan Alana, our special guest on the Oracle Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned back to the other side, and we'll take your calls.
0: around this globe in a You're listening to the Intel Strike Report right here on Oracle Broadcasting. Tonight we are cutting through the matrix with Mr. Alan Watt. We're going to go straight to the phone lines. Caller, welcome. You're on the Intel Strike with Alan Watt.
3: Thank you. Alan, what can you tell me about the Anunnaki and Planet X?
1: Well, uh, the Anunnaki, see, all this stuff started with Zachariah Sitchin, who brought this, his, his own translation a a rather unique translation very modified and and very flexible translation to try and uh, explain to the people that if you were uh, created to be an inferior type slave by very superior extraterrestrial beings then technically you don't have a chance in hell of defeating them now before he came out with his books there was a project, I think it was Project Jason It was a psyops project when they discussed ways of of, uh, doing psychological warfare on the populations of the Western world especially. And one of them was that very thing. If the public could be persuaded that they were created by some superior intellect, some alien species, to be slaves, then obviously the conclusion would be that you could never defeat your master. And that has been pushed mightily, this whole... Anunnaki Sitchin type agenda uh, and people have been sent out afterwards to build on it in fact that's the foundation for most of the stuff that comes out of it but when you really study the Sumerian uh, language and tablets uh, he's not only taken liberties he's he's really fictionalized the whole context of of the Sumerian legends had nothing to do with extraterrestrials whatsoever and I've talked to, in fact, I've on my website, I've got a section there where you can go into it and you'll find professors and so on who are into the Sumerian languages who point out all the glitches of Sitchin's particular translations and how he's not only modified them, but he's fictionalized them, in fact, to suit his theories. Now, it's good stuff for, for entertainment, but today people can't tell the difference between entertainment and reality.
3: So it's just another pseudo sort of religion to make fe- people feel powerless?
1: Absolutely. Uh, obviously, if you work it to believe that, and some, you know, some young people have phoned me up, and I've had chats with them, and they will come out with this stuff, so I know where they've got to, I know what they've been reading, and, and they're already telling me, well, there's nothing we can do uh, because we're just minute creatures compared to these great intellectual giants, these extraterrestrials, and it's worked already with some of them.
3: Right, right, and I also see them using it to ridicule real information because I'll see, I'll see someone talking about it on a Patriot Radio show, talking about the Federal Reserve, and then all of a sudden they'll be talking about Anunnakis yeah. and UFOs and Planet X, and, and yeah. I, I, I think that really destroys credibility.
1: Well, you see, in counterintelligence, the whole point of counterintelligence is to find out what is being discussed amongst the people. That's intelligence, real, real facts, real data. And how can you go out there and upset it and ridicule it so that the baby, the truth, is thrown out with the bad bathwater? And they have sent out people. They have sent them out from mainly Britain, unfortunately, although the ones in Britain are connected through the U.S. through a particular agent, put it that way. And I was approached by them to join them. That's why I can speak about this. And I was asked to go along with this particular agenda and I told them no, but I, I but I, I know the whole grouping of them. They're very popular. Uh, they all know each other, and they all work and build on Sitchin's foundation.
3: And another thing I noticed, I wanted to ask you about Alan is pyramids and the all-seeing eye and those Masonic symbols. When I see them on a website, on a banner, or something like that, and I've been I've been following this for years, they almost always turn out to be part of a Masonic wing. Uh, whether they call themselves a patriot or not Now is that a legalistic thing Or is that just them poking fun at us
1: Sometimes it, yeah, it is poking fun at us There's no doubt about it Now,
3: now I, know you, I know you have a pyramid on your side But in your defense you are kicking the uh, capstone off
1: yeah, it's like Yes, Alan kicking is kicking the, the crap of the out of the egg. capstone
0: yeah. <laughs> You know what, I, I have a few banners that have capstones And believe you me, I don't get a paycheck And I'm not a mason So I don't think that's always totally correct <laughs>
1: But but yeah, I mean it's, it's so interwoven this, because we are see, we are, we do have a religion and, a, and millions of workers who work towards the great work as they call it, and every mason takes an oath to to stand up for his brother across the planet. Any mason is his brother across the whole world. They are for a global agenda, and they work through charitable works as they call it at the lower levels in your communities. They are also on the boards of education, and they make sure that you get the right kind of education towards this globalist society. They are on your your council boards for your your village or your town or your city. Um, They are uh, a force to be reckoned with. They are organized, very organized. And those who are active masons, those ones who are really active in the lodge, um, are dedicated to a cause. So you have a religion uh, running uh, the western hemisphere. Uh, that that uh, pretends that it is just a br- little uh, get together with, with boys, but these guys take blood oaths and death oaths. Now, what are charitable institutions doing, taking blood and, and death oaths for uh, in the name of charity and helping the community?
3: Yeah, What's I noticed that too. I saw, before? I saw an old. I saw an old document in the New York Times and it listed some of the ceremonies that they did and their duties and part of their duties were informing on everything that goes on in their community. So yes. it seems like they have got an underground intelligence uh, have, network have, set up all have. over the world.
1: Yeah, they have. In Chiefs fact, Jack, and touched on, Jack C. T- uh, touched on that. He was a great writer and he said since the 1950s, he says that at that time it was a form of Cardex system, he says for information gathering is done on every single person in the western world he said from the, the smallest village to the largest city and he said uh, the public are never allowed to know how this information on them is collected but what it is is through Fre- Freemasonic societies the eastern star is actually primarily responsible for gathering all personal data and gossip and dossiers are made up and the local police chief who was always a mason uh, is given this kind of information and they store this and they've been using this for 50, 60 years.
3: Yeah. Great information. One last question. What does Oracle mean? The esoteric and exoteric meeting. I'll take the answer off the air. Thanks a
1: lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think, I think we had a hater there, Mike. I think that, uh, he didn't like my banner that had a capstone on the front page. Oh, well, you know, that's okay. No, no, no. I want to answer the question. Oracle. Oracle yes. was a name that I came up with, with Mr. Lee Rogers, after four hours of trying to find a domain name. And I just liked the name. And I thought it might give some credibility because of the software company, although they are scumbags. So uh, <laughs> it's just a, a ringy name. What does Republic mean? What does Genesis mean? What is any esoteric meaning of it? So anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We'll take more calls on the other side. Thanks for listening to Oracle Broadcasting.
2: You are now listening to the Oracle Broadcasting Network, the home of cutting-edge talk radio.
3: We slipped our fingers to the king of England. The stolen lands from the Indians. We draw our swords and guns in our hands, looking for our own. The nation dedicated to liberty. Really I joke I know Listen up man, I'll tell you who I am Just another stupid American You don't want to listen You don't want to understand So take a step and go home I come from the land of Ben Franklin Queen for where we are Oh, it's The country that I love But it's a land of the grave And the group Person. Don't let carcass be a fan, sickest joke I know. Listen up man, I'll tell you who I am, just another stupid American. You don't wanna listen, you don't wanna understand, the so can't go home. I'm proud and ashamed, every fourth of July. You've got to know the truth, before you say that you got pride.
2: Got tanks, but the kids got guns Straight put the pills on everyone Catch
3: up on the ocean, not up on the sun Straight to hell we go Listen up man, I'll tell you who I am Just another stupid American You don't wanna listen, you don't wanna understand The so finish up, we're to go home Listen up man, I'll tell you who I am All
0: right, everybody, welcome back to the broadcast. You're listening to the Intel Strike Report, live with Mr. Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, and we want to take your phone calls as well, and we do have another one coming in from Iowa City. Let's go ahead and go to the phone lines. Welcome. You're on the Intel Strike Report, live with Alan Watt. Hey, Alan. Um, I was
3: wondering... Um, if the Anunnaki didn't feed life on this planet, then what do you think did, or where do you saw life originated from?
1: It's, it's kind of a mute point, really, because, number one, we'll never know. Uh, what we do know is that if we go into other cultures that are very old, like India's cultures and histories, uh, they claim that we are millions and millions and millions of years old, and we know that the evolutionist theory which is pushed in the West and has been like a religion, it is a religion in fact, in fact there must be that we believe, we're, we're fairly new on the planet. Um, they're in a clash of the two different uh, belief systems. We've never found any missing link in anything to prove evolution. Uh, everyone that's have come up with, in what, like the Pilt man that was taught his gospel truth for years, uh, then they found out that the lower jaw was actually a pig's jaw, this stuck on a human head. Um, so, but, but I think man is far, far older than we're, t- we're told. We find this too in the writings of the ancient Greeks. Uh, Plato talked about his great uncle Solon g- going to Egypt to find out the history of Greece. And the Greeks says, you know, he says, you don't even know your own histories. Or the, the Egyptians told him, uh, you Greeks are far, far older than you'll ever imagine and they talked about great empires and civilizations going back into the dawn of time that had risen and fallen uh, and uh, were lost to to history so we're far older, that's all we do know we also do know from the histories, if we take Egypt that the art of ruling over millions or billions of people uh, was always known the understanding of human nature was always known and the art of rulership uh, was always known so we can never ever go into what really created it. Uh, why not just grab the Indian version here in America, and uh, the, what the crow version, the giant crow drops an egg, and out of it comes man. I mean that's as good as any other theory or, or Zachariah Sitchin 's uh, scientific explanation. Understand too. they always give you an updated version of creation for the age you live in, and we live in a scientific age we have being bombarded with science fictions from 1950s onwards, from the, the movie uh, "The Day the Earth Stood Still," well was seen, by the way, because that was massive predictive programming, and therefore to give you a religion that, that fits in with rocket ships and space travel and so on that didn't exist in the previous century. You know.
2: Well, you know, I, I would I would say also that you know while I research everything. Uh, different cultures had different things that were important to them And everyone just about had some sort of culture You know, about people from the skies and such And uh, while Sumeria is is extremely old compared to other cultures Yeah, it's true But at the same time I research everything And sort of wade my way through And uh, But again, I, I mean, a lot of See things can find. be used
1: Here's what you'll find if you go into Egypt And if you go into... In Egypt, the... They drew up sky charts because you had the, the stellar cult, the priesthood. And what they gave you was nature. Nature written in a story for the public to swallow, while the elite knew the real meanings. And they gave you a champion who always had to go on a quest and he'd fight different creatures on his travel, To let Jason on his way for the Golden Fleece, for instance, Jason the Argonauts. Uh, What you're being told there is the sun's travel through the the constellations of the zodiac where he fights all the half men, half beasts, and so on. That's what they give you. And so they told the public uh, these stories. The public took the exoteric version. As always, it captures the imagination. They never catch on to what it really means. You find the same thing in the Old Testament with Joseph and his many colors. He represents the sun. It's the same story told over and over in different religions, and the Greeks did the same thing as the Egyptians, and even in the Old Testament you find the same things uh, coming on. You'll find it with Jacob and the twelve tribes. He leads the tribes. He leads the Zodiac, the procession of the Zodiac. In fact, in the Old Testament uh, it's full of Zodiacal symbols. the blessings put upon the 12 tribes, if you look at them, and it's in my book, The Cutting Through Series, you'll find the explanations given uh, for each blessing, because each one is actually a member of the Zodiac. It's not people at all. Uh, so this is a standard thing that they give you, and the people are fascinated forever, and they do worship as a, as a religion on the exoteric, but they never understand the inner meaning of the Illumined Ones who know uh, the truth of it, if they knew the truth of it, they'd lose their power, so the public always are given the exoteric story of things they can identify with champions and gods who battle real things, and it catches the imagination. But in reality is the sun going through the constellations of the zodiac you know
2: alex if if it was if it was really let 's just say that uh, the the whole uh, Anunnaki legend was true, then. Uh, myself being black would uh, be a slave and I would just relegate myself to being a slave and I wouldn't do anything, I wouldn't be on a radio show I wouldn't be talking to you Yeah, you'd
1: so, and, and be and being happy
2: <laughs> Yeah, yeah ex- exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah very, very true I do want to ask you though, uh, uh, before we get to the break um, what is your definition of oracle?
1: Oracle, uh, the, the main term for oracle it, it means the spoken, the spoken word, and it comes from the the, the the oracle of Delphi. Initially, the Greeks had it high up in the mountains, and as a building, you to do a journey. There's always a journey to the to the truth, and so the journey up the mountain was the journey to the truth, and it, it represents your life as you go towards the truth as well. However, above the temple, it did say, "Know thyself," because the answer you're given. Um, You can take it generally two ways, according to your ego. And the answer that that you might like might be the wrong answer. You might become famous and be known amongst nations, but the ones who went to be victors, should I attack this country, they could be told you become famous amongst nations, but it could be because you lose everything and you lose your nation in the process. So it's up to you to know thyself. But they used to have a tripod above the well inside it, a big tripod and a chair on it, and uh, that one of the virgins sat on the chair, and they, she smoked, she um, she chewed a narcotic drug, and what she said was generally unintelligible. And down below the well, this is, this is the tricks the priests used to play. Uh, they'd interpret a voice would come from the well and they'd interpret what she was saying, kind of like interpreting speaking in tongues. And uh, and of course you also had to lower down the well. Uh, gold and silver to pay for the, for the price of the oracle and then you went away happy hopefully uh, and you got all the good news but they had one there they had had ones in Egypt as well uh, we find they had them even in Hebrew lands as well you had the witch of Ender you always had oracles who would divine the future and generally they used females for this the females of the species but again it was associated with blood and this is the odd part for anybody has got sort of um, problems with it but they used women who were menstruating in the chair and the blood fell down the well that was part of the whole procedure
2: Well wow, that's pretty sick
1: <laughs> yeah, <it laughs> on was, the other yeah.
2: side uh, on the other side Alan I want to get into some of these international standards that uh We'll all be uh, going through if we don't stop it. Now, one of them is Codex Alimentarius, and, uh, and and how now they just want to get rid of us being healthy. No vitamins, no good food, everything is uh, genetically modified, crap. Stay tuned. Join the Intel Strike Report with Alan Live on the Broadcast Network. Stay tuned. You are now listening to Oracle Broadcasting, the home of Cutting Edge Talk
0: Radio. You know we get them involved, we're too diligent. They say the music is and too militant.
2: Welcome back to the Intel Burke hey, Report arming you with intelligent information, analysis, and much, much more. With our special guest, Alan Watt. Matrix dot com. One of the guys we we'd really like to get on and and go way way down the rabbit hole, and uh, we appreciate him coming on and, and giving us our, uh, giving us some time. But um, this is an interactive show, and you can participate. Go to Oracle, Oracle Broadcasting dot com. Go to the left side, and there's a little chat room. Click there, and there are tons of people. As uh when Alec and Alan comes. People listen, and people listen in droves and chat as well. But, Alan, um, I'm, I'm, I'm so, so tired of all of these, these international standards, uh, as if, you know, apples and oranges, you know, we being apples and oranges living in different countries and liking different things, and now they decide that, oh, we're all going to do things all the same way. And, and this is Codex Alimentarius. International standards. Uh, you know, anyone selling vitamins now will have to be a doctor, and getting to the point where you can't even cure the common cold without their permission.
1: Well, they can't cure the common cold anyway, even though they are doctors. <laughs> That's true. What, you do it. Uh, the, 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 what you're seeing though is, is more than just that. Um, you always have to ask why, and it's not just money. It's not just the big. The pharmaceutical industries behind it it's all part of it certainly the profit of everything and the standardization but why are they standardizing this in this day and age in this day and age well when we know and they know and they've even published it themselves an age of intensive farming where you get potatoes out the ground that don't have a fraction of the nutrients they're supposed to have because they're so over farmed and uh, what we're getting really is a process to make us weaker in the future now we have to be realistic about this because when you read the documents about depopulation and necessity to bring down the population drastically quickly and so on from the big foundation's own websites then you have to ask yourself is this part of this agenda to bring us down into sickly people we have more sickness today than we ever had before uh, we, we have a, almost a sterilized white population in the western world the United Nations tells us that every year, when they come out with their statistics, we are 75% uh, down on, se- on our sperm count than the guys who lived in 1950. Sure. What has changed since 1950? Well, we had the inoculations, came in, the polio vaccines, and so on. At least that's what we're told they were. And then you read the writings of Huxley, Bertrand Russell, and others who talked about using the needle, to bring down the populations, and then your mind starts to make that big leap and, and cross the unimaginable, which is, have they actually been doing this to us? Are they bringing down the populations? Well, they are. That's just it, they are. They don't want a physically fit, healthy population for the next 40 years or so, while we go through the big changes with genetic research. They've already told us they plan to recreate humans and give them genetic enhancements for select types in the near future who will take over from us who are the old men. We are yesterday's men. Sure. I mean, so you want just to look at somebody, uh- the. State.
0: The, the comments of people like David Rockefeller He said, I don't want a nation of thinkers I want a nation of workers And that's what they're really trying to create out of this Codex Alimentarius For those of you guys out there that don't know what we're talking about Codex Alimentarius Well, here's just a brief history It began in 1893 when the Austrian-Hungarian Empire Decided it needed a specific set of guidelines By which the courts could rule on cases dealing with food The regulatory set of mandates became known as Codex Alimentarius And was effectively implemented until the fall of the Empire in 1980. The United Nations met in 1962 and decided that Codex should be re-implemented worldwide in order to protect the health of consumers. We'll talk about this and tons more. Your calls as well, 360-350-1486. You're listening to Oracle Broadcasting. No, not the break yet, man. No, man. When I heard some music going, okay, I'm sorry, no, um, so, so, so that's exactly what Codex Alimentarius is, and they, they revamped it in 2002 because they realized that this body had so much power, and that these multinational corporations, these pharmaceuticals, as well as people like Monsanto, all of these people and uh, these corporations that make money and cater to the uh, uh, these uh, multinational corporations could really use this to corner the market. And uh, just looking at it today, it is it's something that's not talked about a whole lot here in the United States, Alan. And I think that's because people uh, here kind of uh, are in this kind of isolated bubble, and they don't realize that this is something that the World Health Organization is pushing forward.
1: You know, the World Health Organization has a department of depopulation it's called the Department of Population Control and they're also the ones who fund abortion clinics across the planet especially in third world countries as they try to bring the populations down so when they come out and tell you it's for your own health and this this uh, bill is going to help you you, you better really, really question what they mean by that uh, and what their agenda is the fact is if you're not getting the net, all the nutrients from your present modern food and we're not Uh, then you are going to be sickly and so you need supplements and what they're doing is taking away any choice in in, uh, the natural organic type supplements and forcing you on the synthetic brands now all synthetic supplements you'll find from the big pharmaceutical agencies in fact all the medications are made up from the the petroleum business it's all byproducts they use in your pills that's what goes into making all your pills and so on the rearranged molecules and all the rest of it to look like the real thing, to trick the body into believing it's a real thing, but it does not work like the real thing. And there are side effects to synthetics, but that's the only thing you'll be left with eventually, and even then you'll have to get a doctor's prescription to get them. So what they're doing, I think, is purposely uh, setting up a scenario for a sickly population.
0: Oh, sure. I mean, they're spraying barium on us from the skies. I think a lot of that has to do with the topographical uh, mapping and imaging of the United States for NORTHCOM and CENTCOM because they use the X-Class radar system. But if you look into barium and what it actually does to the human body, it's it's just horrible. But let's just look at some of these things. I mean, uh, they're talking about all food being irradiated uh, when it's coming into the United States, Canada, and the like. And we rely on these foreign countries to bring in our food. Unfortunately, we've given those other countries through things like NAFTA, other uh, CAFTA agreements like this, non-binding resolutions with these other countries. you know they, They've had this advantage, so now that we, we rely on them, farmers here locally uh, are just not able to compete in that market. So all of these leafy green products that they're bringing into the United States, they are already planning to irradiate them. That's a microwave them, take all nutritional content out of them uh, yes. because they don't want us to get sick because they love us, Alan.
1: Oh, they love us, yeah. And what they're doing is making sure there's nothing really worthwhile uh, nutrient-wise left in that food. That's as far as I can see it. They don't want us oh, yeah. to be healthy.
2: They don't want us to be healthy. Yeah. And the, the the bad part about all of this is the people that are behind this World Health Organization, uh the World Trade Organization, these people have been in the third world developing countries for 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 decades now. Yeah. destroying them, utterly destroying these yeah. people. Uh you know, groups groups now funding it like the World Bank yeah. who said that eugenics was a great thing until the Nazis Exposed it too much and ruined it. But uh, we're coming up on the break here, but on the other side, we'll continue this discussion and uh, and really, really expose what's going on because I don't think enough people really understand how dire straits Codex Alimentarius is. Yeah. It is literally going to destroy our lives and kill millions. Stay tuned to listen to the Intel Strike Report with our guest, Alan Watt.